0: week a, a series on this will change everything and we're looking at uh, the resurrection and we've, we started looking at Holy Week, we even did our Wednesday night services on Holy Week and, and how it applies to us today and uh, I saw an interesting uh, video last night about a, a real famous uh, magician. I'm not throwing names out. He, I mean, he, he made it public, but he was talking about, and he is a very staunch, hardcore atheist. Uh, and he, when he was talking uh, in this video, he, he was telling about a, a, a story where he saw a man in line, and the man waved him over to at, at his meet and greet, and. He said, look, I want to give you something, and he handed him a little Gideon Bible, just a psalm in the New Testament, and he said he had written his name down in it, email, contact information, and he said the guy was so super nice to him, he said, but he was trying to have me believe in his God, and he said, he was going on, said, you know how I believe, and this is what he said. He said, you know, the only type of Christians I respect is the ones who will at least want to tell me their truth. He said, the others who say, ah, he's not going to listen to me anyhow. He said, if you really believe the things that you say you do and you don't try to tell it to me, he said, that's like me watching you stand in the middle of the road seeing a truck coming at you And not do it. He said, How bad do you have to hate somebody to at least not try to tell them? How bad do we have to hate somebody to at least not try to tell them about the goodness of God? See, we can say, well, we love and we don't want to be controversial with it and all this stuff, but love will actually have a hard conversation. And, and sometimes in, in the middle of our hard life, in the middle of our hard conversation, things get difficult. And so I thought about that this morning. Was it this morning or last night when Dan and I watched that? Um, and, and what if Jesus wasn't real? Now, if you're, if you're part of the Christian faith, we believe Jesus is real. We, we believe that he's God 100%. But what if, he, what if he hadn't been crucified? What if he hadn't risen from the tomb, which is, you know, standard of our belief? Then what would this season that we've just come through and going into, what would it really mean to us? But then I have to ask the question this. If we're willing to ask the question, what if Jesus didn't? Are we willing enough to ask the question, what if he did What if he did? And so that's what I want to just pose to you today. I don't know where you are with with, with your thoughts with God. I don't don't know where you are with your idea of Jesus, but I just want to ask you what if it was real? What are we willing to, to experience? I want you to go, if you will, to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 in in, in the Passion Translation. He says here, he says, And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection, where? Working in me. I love how Paul starts that there. He says, I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus and his overwhelming power of his resurrection working in me. Do you know that Jesus didn't rise from the dead for himself? He didn't raise out of the tomb. He, we don't celebrate him coming out of the tomb because it was something good for him. His coming out of the tomb was something good for us. It's so that resurrection power can set in you. And when, let me tell you, when you have an experience with this resurrection power, it changes everything. Amen. Paul says, I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus and to experience his overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings and become like him in death. So i just ask you, what if it's true? What if it's true we need to have a resurrection encounter? Not an encounter with Jesus come on but an encounter with his resurrection power an encounter with something that death itself couldn't even hold on to and what does that change in us when we encounter resurrection what does it do in us when we encounter resurrection the first encounter resurrection encounter i want to look at today <coughs> and if you if you want to flip you can flip if you want to look on the screen it'll be on the screen Go to Matthew chapter 27, verse 50. I see a few kids in here this morning. I'm not going to preach long. (laughs) We can hunt eggs. Listen, there is almost 2,000 eggs out there in that lawn. I hope your child brought more than one bag. We told the church bring eggs. Boy, did they river. Verse 50 out of Matthew 27. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And then behold the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split and his graves and the and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints that were asleep in other words the bodies of those who had already died at Jesus' resurrection there's Jewish history that says that the bodies of those who had already dead began to get up and they began to walk the street <laughs> it said and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. The first encounter of Jesus' resurrection was death itself. See, when you experience a resurrection encounter, everything in your life that you thought was dead, it was done, there's no hope for, a resurrection encounter will cause that thing to come back to life. Your story is never over. Your events are never at the end. What you believe is dead when you, res- when you experience resurrection is never dead. Oh, the first experience was Jesus. No, I want us to think in some of your life. What do you think is over? They thought it was over for Jesus too. They thought everything was done, everything was over. What have you been believing for? What have you been praying for? What? Well, I just don't believe God because it doesn't work. But what if? What if, Kenny? What if? What if it's all real? Then what you think is dead, if you'll allow God to come into the situation of your life, what you think is dead, he can resurrect. It's never over, it's never final, it's never at the end. This is a promise for you and I. This is what resurrection is all about. He didn't do it for you. He didn't I mean he didn't do it for himself, he did it so that. The things we thought were dead. I need to learn to drink. You may know the story of Elisha? Traveling minister, traveling prophet. And every time he would come into this town of Shunem, there was a couple, and he would stop at their house and eat. Well, he did this so often that the wife looked at her husband and said, let's build him a, a room on the back of the house. And let's put him up so that anytime time he comes by here, he can stop, he can eat, he can sleep, he can rest up. And so one evening he comes to a visit and he asks her, says, what do you need? What do you need? She said, I, I don't need anything Well, Elisha's servant spoke up and said, they don't have a kid. They always wanted a child, but they don't have a child. And so when Elisha begins to prophesy to her, he said, this time next year, you're going to have a child. This time next year, in a due season, you'll produce a child. And you know what her response was? Don't you lie to me. don't, don't, don't you dare lie to me. I didn't ask for this, you're promising this. You ever done that with God, that the very thing you thought? You said, hey God, I didn't even ask for this, but you saw fit to give it to me anyhow. So she says, I don't, don't, don't lie to me, man. Whatever you do, just don't lie to me because I can't take it if it doesn't happen. So go to 2 Kings chapter four, verse 18. As he prophesied, she gave birth. It said, and the child grew, and now it happened one day he was in the father, he was was out with his father to the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. And so he said to the servant, carry him home to his mom. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees until noon, and then he died. What was, the, what was her request? Don't lie to me. If you're going to promise me something, come through. Mm. If you're going to promise me this, I'm not asking for this thing. You gave me this. Now, how long this was, we don't know. We don't know how old the boy was. They were considered boys until they were like 30 And so she laid him on the bed, and and, and the unthinkable happened. The thing that she didn't ask for, her promise, her hope, was dead. I don't know what you're looking at today, but whatever you think, that you say, hey, God, I didn't ask for this. Don't you dare lie to me and give me something that I didn't even ask for just to take it away. And sometimes we get to the point where we stick a finger in God's eye and say, I didn't ask for this. And here it is—the very thing I hoped for, the very thing you promised me. Now's dead. What good is this dead thing going to do me now? Or is that just me? Am I the only one that ever had those conversations? I love talking to Galen. He likes to get a—he likes to have a conversation with God. What is it? Hey, big boy. See, that's that's when you, you start to get comfortable with your father. And you can look at him and say, hey, big guy, I didn't ask for this. But the very thing that I hoped for, the very thing I asked for, I didn't ask for, but the very thing you promised. What in your life right now is facing death or is dead? And you're like, God, this ain't fair. You ever looked at God and said that? Well, never question God. No. God, let me tell you, God's all right with your questions. If he wasn't all right with questions, David would have been in a world of trouble. David looked at God all the time and says, hey, I don't understand this. I don't get this. That's okay. God doesn't get mad because you don't understand and decide to talk to him about it. Our problem is, as we get mad, and we never talked again because that's how we do our family. That's how we do friends that stab us in the back. I just won't speak to you no more. Sad part is we treat God the same way. Go back in 2 Kings 4, jump down to verse 32. We're talking about resurrection encounters. When you experience resurrection, it will bring life back to what was dead. And when Elisha came into the house, there was the child dead on his bed he went in therefore and shut the door behind the two and he prayed to the Lord and he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes his hands on his hands and he stretched him out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm and he returned and walked back and forth in the house See, just because it became warm doesn't mean it became alive. Maybe you're hanging on to something that's barely hanging on to life. Maybe whatever it is that you've been dealing with seems like it's dying. And you thought, oh, there's a glimmer of hope again. It got warm. But it's still not doing. See, you can't give up. The story's not over until life is back. Jesus, it wasn't over until life was back, until the stone was rolled away. It's never, it's never over until a tomb is empty. And when we begin to experience this kind of resurrection, Paul says, Oh, that I want to experience the power of his resurrection. Where is it working? In me. He says, <coughs> and he returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched him, stretched out on him. And then the child sneezed seven times and he opened his eyes and he called to Gehazi, his servant. And he said, call the Shunammite woman and so, she called, so he called her. Then she came to him and what, what did he tell her? Pick up your son. He said, why is that important? Because if we will just give God time to work. Well, God's so big, he can do it right now. I'm just going to tell you people don't really like this. There is a timing with God. There is sometimes seasons that I go through, Denise, where I'm learning, but I'm still trusting. I'm trying to figure out how to deal with disappointment. Or am I the only one that's ever dealt with Disappointment. I'm trying to figure out how to deal with the thing that I hope for has fallen right out from under me. It's laying there dead. And every now and then I see this glimmer of hope just for it to fall again. And then I throw my hands up and say, God, I didn't even ask for this. But you decided to give it to me. Well, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Man, we don't understand a lot of scripture. It rains on the just and the unjust. You know that's a promise. Not a curse. Us church folks have gotten real good at letting people get disappointed by saying, well, it rains on the just and the other. That's a promise. How many of you know if you're a farmer, rain's a good thing? Jesus was talking to farmers. Rain is a good thing. Why? Because it shows that what was dead is coming back to life. Dry ground is going to produce life again. What was there will come back. Folks, I'm telling you today, experience resurrection because it's not over for you. It's not over. Devastated by the events of the week, she sits... Alone outside of a tomb, crying. She weeps. She remembers when she met him. He cast seven demons out of her. She remembers how she and some other ladies were faithful followers, hung out with him, supported him. The word tells us that she even supported him with her own money. Money she made. Some people say she was the woman who broke a box of oil, expensive perfume over his feet. She remembers the last few days. Interesting enough, his disciples took off in every direction and she stayed. She watched the trial. She watched the crucifixion. She watched where they put him in the tomb. And she took the Sabbath day off to pray and weep and get ready. And so now she finds herself standing in front of an empty tomb thinking that they stole his body. John chapter 20. But when Mary, verse 11. But when Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not where they've laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. I'm gonna tell you, a resurrection encounter, Paul said, I want to experience Jesus and his overwhelming resurrection power working in me. A resurrection encounter like this will change your sorrow into joy. It'll change weeping into dancing. It'll cause you to do something different. She said, He said, Who who are you seeking? She saw Jesus standing there and didn't know it was Jesus. Have you ever been so overwhelmed that you didn't even recognize your promise when it stood in front of you? She didn't even recognize Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She supposing him to be a gardener said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, where have you laid him that I may take him away? And Jesus said to her, Mary, what happened was she recognized her name. Only he could say her name that way. He said, Mary. And she turned to him and said, "Rabbi," which is to say, Teacher, folks, I'm telling you, at a resurrection encounter like this will turn your grief into joy. And I tell you what, over the last couple of years, we've seen enough grief. Over the last couple years, there's been enough grief. Well, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to be grief. You can experience a resurrection and this resurrection will cause joy to rise up in you that you have never known. But we have to experience it. We have to say, I'm going to take part in this resurrection. I'm going to do my part by sitting and seeking and and recognizing when he says my name that the promise has returned. That it's not over. (laughs) It's not over. It's never been over. David said in Psalms uh, uh, 30, he said, I am remembering, I remember boasting. I've got it made. Nothing can stop me now. You ever had those days? Did it again. He said, I remember looking at God boasting. I've got it made everything's good. I read an article the other day or a while back. I was telling D and Reese about it. They say if you really want to change your attitude for the day ahead. Now, y'all with me? They said the first thing you do is when you get up, you sit on the side of the bed and you make a fist. And while your fists are clenched real tight, you stand up. And with everything in you, you go, whoa! <laughs> well, that makes no sense, except the Word of God says, shout for joy. Except the Word of God says, come unto go- uh, God and make a joyful noise. Do some. See, you have, I have to participate. And I've been doing it this morning. I thought, our, I thought we overslept. Denise, I told Siri to wake me up at 6 o'clock. I rolled over and looked at the alarm, and it was 6.36. I'm like, shoot, I'd like to leave the house at 7.30. I said, D, let's go, let's go, let's get this day started. That's the way I try to do it anymore. That's my, that's my saying, I get out of bed. I took that advice. Let's get this day going. Let's whip this day. D rolls over grabs your phone. It's 536, not 636. Well, we're up, let's get it going. Folks, I'm telling you, there's something about a resurrection encounter that when you experience, you're no longer in grief. There is a joy that comes that you say, let's take this by the horns. Let's get this thing. But you have to participate. You have to experience this resurrection. You have to participate in it. Say, man, I want to live like that. But what if it's not true? But what if it is? I'm having more fun now than I used to. I know that. Life's a lot more fun now. But David said, I remember boasting I've got it made. Nothing can stop me now. He says in verse 7, I'm God's favored one. He's made me steady as a mountain. But then, everybody say but then. But then. We've all experienced but then. Not, but then doesn't happen over a long period of time. Like this scripture behind me says, but then suddenly. You ever experienced a Suddenly everything's going good, everything's fine, I'm on top of the mountain, nothing can stop me, but suddenly, suddenly you hid your face from me and I was panic-stricken and became depressed. Sounds a lot like Mary. Her promise standing right there, but she didn't recognize him. David thought God had hid his face from him. How many of you know? God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's never going to hide. God is never going to hide his face from you. (laughs) He's never. Just because we're not looking at him doesn't mean he's not looking at us. Mm. He said, I was panic stricken and became depressed. If that's you today, I'm here to give you some good news. It's Resurrection Day. It's time for a resurrection encounter, but you're going to have to experience it. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to put your feet on the ground, put your fist, ball them up tight, and stand up and say, This is it. This is my day. This is the day the Lord has made, and I'm going to rejoice. But I don't want to rejoice. David didn't say you had to feel like rejoicing, he said, I'm going to rejoice. Sometimes rejoicing is a choice. Sometimes joy is something we choose. Because I want to be depressed and I want to be mad and I want to be ticked off and I want to be bleh. You ever just want to be bleh? But look what he said. I was sad, I was panic stricken and I was depressed. He said, but still... I cried out even when he was depressed even when he was panic-stricken he was going to experience resurrection but I still cried out to you Lord I shouted for mercy now look at this what David has this conversation with God what would you gain from my death hey God what what are you going to get out of killing me here what are you going to get out of this what would you gain from my death If I were to go down to the depths of darkness, will a grave sing your song? He said, what are you going to do, kill me? I can't praise you from the grave. He said, how could death dust declare your faithfulness? So hear me now, Lord, and show me your famous mercy. Oh God, be my Savior and my rescue. What did he do? He balled his fist up. Planted his feet on the ground and got up and went, woo! <laughs> You're going to have to experience resurrection. I can't experience it for you. Right. I, 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 can't walk, I can't hold your hand and say, okay, come on. We're going to walk you right into joy. Sometimes you just got to choose joy. Sometimes you got to say, you know what? I've, I'm done. I've, 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 I've drugged this mess out long enough. I've whined and I've cried. I was panic-stricken. He said, but still in the middle of this, I'm going to cry out. And look what happens in verse 11. Then he broke through. (laughs) David didn't break through. God came through. All of a sudden, he realized what God. (laughs) All of a sudden, he realized who he thought had left him had never gone anywhere. He was standing on the other side of his depression. He was standing on the other side of his panic. Sometimes we have to look past the thing that's got us down. Oh, glory. And then he broke through and transformed all my wailing into whirling dances. An ecstatic prey, of ecstatic praise. He was, he torn, he was torn, the veil lifted from me, the sad heaviness Of mourning, he wrapped me in glory garments of goodness, of gladness. How could I be silent? It's time to praise you. Now my heart sings out. But the difference is, now his heart wants to sing where before he made his heart sing. He said, Still, I'll sing. I'm here to tell you today don't stop, don't quit. Just because you're going through grief, when you experience this resurrection, you say, Brent, man, it it, it, it can't be this good. I'm telling you, it's this good. It's the sweetest wine you'll ever drink. Mm. It'll mess you up and there's no hangover after. Still, I will praise resurrection encounter he goes on to say a bliss inside keeps me singing I can never thank you enough he'd heard all the stories he walked with Jesus all those years he was there from a distance but he was there he knew the Romans didn't mess around he knew it was serious when they kill you, they kill you. He was there when they buried him. He was there when they rolled the stone in front of the tomb. And he doesn't care what she said. He doesn't care what they said. He, they, he's not buying the ghost story. And so he goes off by himself. But what if it is true? Well, y'all go around here and believe ghost stories if you want. I'm going out. John 20, 26. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside. And this time, Thomas was with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut. He stood in the midst of them and said, peace to you. See, we don't understand that. They locked the doors. They locked them. And all of a sudden, they turn around, and there there he stands again. This is not the first time he appeared in a room in front of them. But this time, the one who didn't buy the story even if it was just for one, his resurrection would have been enough. Everybody else had already believed it. He said, but because of the one, I'll show myself again. And this time they're in a room with the door shut and the word says that all of a sudden Jesus, Jesus appeared to them and he said, shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. I wish you prosperity I wish, this is what shalom means, I wish you health an end to your suffering. See, when you have this kind of resurrection encounter, it will turn your fear into faith. I'm afraid I can't. I'm afraid there's no hope. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of of what's going on. And then Thomas, when he, then he said, verse 27, Reach your finger here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered him and said, My Lord, my God, a resurrection encounter will bring faith where there was only fear. And I don't know what you're going through and I don't know what you're facing and I don't know how you're facing it. But I'm here to tell you today, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. When you experience resurrection, it will take all that fear away. It'll take that fear away. Go back, uh, go to First John, uh, no, go to Psalms 56. Psalms 56. In, in the day that I'm afraid... I lay my fears before you and trust you with all my heart. Here's the hard part. I don't believe any of it. That's okay. You don't have to. I just want to ask you, what if? What if there was a time that you would just say, you know what, God? I'm tired of walking around in fear. I'm tired of being afraid of this, and I'm tired of being afraid of that. I, and, and, and am I the only one that the enemy ever does you that way? that you have these ideas, these fears, well, what if? Well, what if I decided one day to just say, here, God, this is my fear. I'm tired of carrying it. I'm tired of dealing with it. I don't want to be afraid no more. I don't want to be afraid any longer. And so I lay, like David said here, I lay my fear down, and here's another choice that you have to make. You have to make this choice. I will trust you with all my heart. That's your choice to make. That's no one else's. What harm could a man bring to me with God on my side? I will not be afraid of what comes. The roaring praises of God fill my heart as I trust His promises. A resurrection encounter will take everything of fear and turn it into faith when we decide to trust God. Back to Philippians, he said, Oh, I want to know Jesus. I want to know the power of his resurrection. Where? Working in me. Today, this same resurrection power is working you. It's it's, it's working in you now. How do you know? Because you're alive. You're here. But I don't even know if I believe in God. That's all right, he believes in you. And all he's asking for you is the answer to the question what if? What if I give him a chance? What if I say, today I'm just gonna quit being afraid and I wanna start trusting God? What if I say, I'm gonna quit worrying about my future and I wanna trust God? Knowing that everything that I think is dead he'll bring back to life. And everything that I thought he promised me and now I'm just ticked off at him because he promised it and it's dead. What if today I decided to say, uh, I didn't tell you to finish the story about the Shunammite woman. She told her, her husband, said, let me go to the prophet. He said, well, get the servant, pack the servant and go. And she told that servant, she said, don't you stop riding. You ride hard till we get to the prophet. Elisha's servant come up to her and says, everything okay? Her son's laying back their dead. She said, everything's fine. How can she do that? Because the, the, the servant didn't make the promise. I'm not making you a promise today. I've read them to you from the Word. When she went to Elisha, she fell on his feet. And I'm sure it was written in pretty flowery language in the King James Bible I don't believe she said it the way that is why because she already told him don't you dare lie to me I can only imagine she sat at his feet said you made a promise to me and now it's dead how do I turn faith, fear into faith when i finally decide i want to lay all this fear Right at his feet. I'm going to decide today to trust him. And when I don't feel like praising him, I'm going to praise him anyway. And when I don't think I can go another step, I'm going to take one anyhow. I'm going to plant my feet beside my bed. I'm going to grip my fist up real hard. And I'm going to go, whoa! (laughs) Why? because this is the day the Lord has made and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it and because I am living in the place where his resurrection is working in me. And I'm telling you today, when you experience this kind of resurrection, it changes everything. And if you haven't experienced this kind of resurrection, like I said, it's already working in you, you're breathing. But maybe you haven't grabbed hold of that we're going to do something that people don't like just close your eyes I'm not asking you to come up here I'm not asking you to come up here and pray I'm not going to ask you to come up here and shake my hand this is between you and God has nothing to do with anybody else and it doesn't matter if you already experience this resurrection every day and you're aware of it you can still say these words and I'm going to ask you to say these words and now it's it's going to be up to you How you walk it out. Jesus, I choose today to experience resurrection. I'll lay down fear. I'll lay down all the disappointment, all the panic, all the depression, and I choose resurrection in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? That's easy. It's your choice. So what are you going to do with it today? If you want people to talk to today, we're, I know we're here, and we're going to watch kids hunt eggs. But if you want to talk to somebody, our associate pastor right here would love to talk to you, him and his wife, my wife, myself, Bob, Edra one of these guys, just just grab somebody that you don't know that looks like they belong here. (laughs) Grab Galen. He he needs somebody to talk to. Hey, Bill, come on up here with us again. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. I thank you for a resurrection experience, Lord. I thank you that you changed my life forever and we just praise you in the beauty of your holiness, in the glory of who you are. I thank you that every home represented here today is blessed. Every child is blessed. Every every grandchild is blessed. Every great grandchild is blessed. I thank you that they're blessed going in and they're blessed coming out. I thank you that they're blessed in everything they set our hand to, that they experience prosperity that is found in you. We thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.